You're listening to Startup Acquisition Stories, a podcast featuring the stories of startup founders and buyers who have successfully gone through an acquisition process using Acquire.com, the world's number one startup acquisition marketplace. To date, Acquire.com has helped thousands of startups get acquired and facilitated hundreds of millions in closed deal volume. Here's your host, Andrew Gostecki. All right, I'm here with Marco Fazio, who is the founder of Lito Travel. Marco, how you uh, how you doing today? Hi, Andrew. Thank you for having me. I'm doing yeah. great. Yeah, my pleasure. So, for those that may not know you or your background, do you want to give a brief introduction of yourself? Yeah, sounds good. So, well, actually, I kind of uh, worked most of my life in uh, in e-commerce uh, for big brands like Adidas and Reebok and the sports uh, side, solo brands. One of the um, yeah first a brands aggregator that did uh, an IPO in the e-commerce space uh, last year. And uh, yeah, on the side, actually, while I was working full time, I built my own company, my own e-commerce, uh, Lito Travel, which uh, started uh, first as a Kickstarter and then turned into a Shopify store uh, and uh, and a real uh, yeah e-commerce business. Nice. Well, c- congrats on the, the acquisition with, with Lito Travel. Um Let's 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 start there. So, what what made you start Lido Travel? What was the idea behind it? What, did you have like a light bulb moment? I think like when it comes to uh, e-commerce, there's two types of, of founders, right? Those that have an idea and don't know much about e-commerce, and those that know a lot about e-commerce but you know not necessarily have, have um, a product itself, or they're not you know designers, uh, but they 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 have the ability to to build right uh, the infrastructure behind it. I was uh, one of the second uh, type of people because I was uh, yeah working in Adidas. I really could understand a lot from this you know big brand and how. Um, marketing and branding really works at, at scale, let's say. Um, but I, I, yeah, I didn't necessarily have, let's say, only one idea. I had multiple ideas. What I did was really to go over a framework. I think it's very important to go over a framework to really, you know, uh, go at speed and make sure you you don't get stuck in the decision making process. But literally, I listed a few ideas that I had. Looked at the market. Looked at Amazon. Looked at uh, Kickstarter, other crowdfunding platform. See what was there. And uh, the best idea at the end of the day was uh, the fact that um, yeah, I was living in a small apartment. I had a lot of suitcases. They occupied a lot of space. I didn't like it. So so yeah, I thought that maybe creating a suitcase that is space saving um, could make sense. Could there could be a market for that? And uh, Later on, I found out that that was the case. Nice. I love that. So you had, you know, a, a personal problem firsthand, and then you also had market experience with e-commerce. So when you combine those two, it usually results in a successful business. So uh, that's awesome to hear. So uh, walk me through. So Lido Travel, it's it's doing great. You know, it's got customers, uh, you know, life's good. Um, what made you uh, decide to list it on um, Acquire.com? Right. So actually, I started the, the company more as a side project, right? So I was working full time. And uh, for me, it was about the experience. It was about, you know, learning everything about e-commerce, launching a business for the first time. Um, I believe that I, I will, you know, continue launching businesses for um for the foreseen future, but uh, it was my first experience. So at the end of the day, I found myself in a position where I had a profitable business. Um, I was doing a lot of work, of course, because it was you know running operations, running a full-time job, 
So yeah, having the possibility to, let's say, call it a success story and exit early has been really fantastic for, for, for my life. And uh, I tried a few you know, different routes to do that. But at the end of the day, the successful route was to list on Acquire.com. Nice. So let's, uh, let's I'd love to dive into that, as I'm sure you, you probably guess. Um, all right. So you, you list on um, Acquire.com. Uh, what happens like within like the first week? Um, Okay, so I listed on Acquire.com. I got an um, initial interest, let's say, from, from the mention because it got mentioned from the newsletter. So um, let's say a lot of initial interest there, but unfortunately, everything died out afterwards because we were going into Q4. Uh, so slow down in general in uh, M&A activity, a little bit of, uh, I think, yeah, fear of, of market acquisitions in e-commerce at the time. So so basically at the point, I was at, finding myself at the point where I, I just couldn't move forward. So at that point, I, I looked at what were the options and I saw in the platform that you could hire an advisor. So I literally talked to all of them, see what made most sense, um, and then uh, hired, hired an advisor to help me out uh, selling the business. Nice. Who is uh, the advisor, if I can ask? Uh, yeah, it was uh, Marty from uh, Westbound Road, uh, which has done an amazing job. So yeah, thank you, Marty. Yeah, yeah Marty, Marty's great. That's good to hear. So walk me through. Um, so you're you're working with um, an M&A advisor and now, so what happens at that point? What was kind of the, the process that um, led to a successful acquisition? Right. So, I mean, when you get listed, you get an initial uh, inflow of, of leads. Uh, and then what you do get is a long tail of people that are specifically searching for, you know, e-commerce, specifically searching for your type of business, uh, which which is, of course, a much smaller amount, right? So maybe I would say, um, yeah, two, three per week uh, in my case. And um, overall, it took us around five months to to sell the company uh, after listing on the platform. But what uh, what the advisor Martin team did was to kind of do uh, an outreach, a weekly outreach to uh, to leads, right? So to potential buyers, engage them on a weekly basis. So yeah, more or less like a like a sales funnel, if you want to call it like that, so that uh, people will be engaged over time, the same people, the same audience to uh, actually uh, move forward and, you know, uh, create an LOI and express the interest. So I think what made the difference in this case was really, you know, a continuous follow up on the potential pool of buyers. Um, and um, just, yeah, being consistent, following up uh, in the platform with uh, every single person that uh, that reached out initially with the interest. Nice. Yeah, that is kind of uh, crucial. And I, we I talked to a lot of founders that don't necessarily understand that in terms of like when you're selling a business, you got to really sell it. You know, you got to follow up with every single lead you have. I always recommend, you know, treating each buyer like they are the buyer until they're not. So following up with, you know, weekly updates or product demos or any additional information you can share um, just to continue that interest with the buyers is is absolutely crucial to sometimes finally getting a deal done. So I'm glad I'm glad you did that. Um, can you walk me through? OK, so how did you how did you find the, the final buyer? What about them stood out? Was it the offer? Was it you two just got along really well? How did you land on the 
final buyer that acquired your company? Right. So um, yeah, of course we had quite quite a few people we talked to. I think overall maybe we talked with messages maybe around yeah something like eighty people in total that that kind of uh, were at least interested to see the um, uh, the pitch deck and so on. But uh, overall we got uh, two uh, LOIs. Uh, the first one didn't didn't go well. Um, it was actually a, yeah a, a little bit tough at the beginning because. Um, once you receive an LOI, automatically, if it's your first LOI ever, you think your your you know your business is getting sold. But there's <laughs> a few steps uh, from from there. Um, and the second time, like when we got the LOI with the with the with the actual buyer, it just felt you know very good from a personal perspective. The relationship with the buyer very professional. It was um, was a buyer acquiring a few small businesses, uh, small e-commerce brands that uh, were looking into sustainability and veganism as a you know to add in the portfolio the suitcase we produce is made of uh, recycled pt plastic so it, yeah it was a fit in that sense in the strategy uh, they would keep the founder story within the the growth of the company which is something that they really liked and uh, yeah it just felt right so at the end of the day um i went for it nice yeah, I think, you know, getting along with whoever's buying your business is just absolutely critical in terms of, because when you sell your business, it's, I always say, it's not like handing over keys to a car. You're going to have, you know, probably a three month transition period or a six month transition period where you're going to have to work with that person. So being able to get along with them. And then if they have, you know, um, items like they're going to keep your you know story intact or have a vision for the business, I think that makes um the best acquisition. So that's great to hear. Um, tell me about, tell me about due diligence. So you are, you are correct. When you sign an LOI, it is not done by, I, I always say that's, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, that's like the first inning where, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs think you get an LOI, they celebrate and it is something to celebrate, but it's really the start of, you know, someone potentially buying your business. Otherwise fall through all the time. Um, tell me about uh, like due diligence um, just from like a high level. How did that go? Um, any bumps in it? Any headaches caused? Any tips for other entrepreneurs going through due diligence? Yeah, I think like what is what is important in the due diligence is that uh, or well in the entire acquisition process is that the buyer knows what is buying in a way because we got a lot of uh, yeah questions from um, other potential buyers that uh, they just you know didn't really fit the the how to say how you would do due diligence in the e-commerce space for example right so very specifically into KPIs uh, in the accounts and so on this buyer uh, for us um, yeah, it was pretty smooth because at the end of the day, if you know about e-commerce, it's really about, you know, Google Analytics, Shopify account, the Facebook ad account, and then it's very easy to see uh, how well the, the business is running, right? So we can all write um, some things in the financials, have certain type of expenses and so on. So having that kind of, kind of financial due diligence, which is very important. But um, but it's you know not the same across the world. There's different jurisdictions, different rules, different tax ruling, and so on. But the good thing about being built on e-commerce is that everybody's using the same platform. So once you hand over, let's say, you know, the reading rights of the accounts, it's uh, it, yeah, it's pretty easy to verify that uh, you have traffic, that you have sales, that you have uh, you know good average order value, customer lifetime value, uh, and, and make your own assumption as a buyer uh, on uh, on the actual value of, of the business. So I would say uh, due diligence has been pretty smooth for us because we went 
first of all, handing over all the reading access to the to the buyer um, for the e-commerce platforms. And then once we um, yeah made the transaction, we just switched the accesses from reading access to uh, admin access, and that's it. Oh man, that's as easy as it gets. Um, due diligence for a lot of other people is a lot more difficult, especially if you're moving software or you have a Stripe right. account with ten different products in it. And you got to figure out, you know, which customers to move over. So that that sounds like actually handing over keys to a car. Actually, uh, the more that I think about it. Um, in terms of, you know, the experience of the buyer, how do you think that, you know, played a role in, in due diligence? Because on one hand, you know, I've seen a lot of, you know, first time buyers and first time sellers, you know, we'll kind of help guide them through due diligence in terms of, you know, these are the things that you both should be working on and, you know, looking at. Um, and then on the other hand, you have experienced buyers who typically, you know, can close a transaction in, you know, two weeks to a month. You know, they just seem to, they've been through the process before and it sounds like your buyer had. Um, do you think that made due diligence a little bit easier? Yeah, exactly. So it wasn't the, the first acquisition, I believe in the e-commerce space was, uh, I think maybe the fourth or the fifth uh, acquisition in a relatively short amount of time. So I think that that was uh, speeding things up, right? So we, we closed from LOI to... Uh, asset purchase agreement in around two weeks, which is uh, relatively fast, I would say. Um, and uh, yeah, the buyer already had like the templates that they used for the previous transactions. So we did make some adjustments uh, in the you know in the escrow transaction in uh, in the rights uh, of the assets and so on. But uh, I think if you yeah if you already done it right, it's it's always easier to. To do it a second time, whether you're a buyer or, or you're a founder. <laughs> yeah, I actually, you know, typically will advise founders to work with experienced buyers, even if the price is lower, because the chance of the LOI closing is higher and it'll just make your life a lot easier in terms of, you know, if you're selling a really technical product to a non-technical buyer and they've never gone through an acquisition. So I think uh, another tip for maybe some entrepreneurs listening, if you haven't acquired anything, just buy something for 5k, go through an LOI, go through the asset purchase, go through due diligence and that alone will help you when you get to, you know, larger acquisitions. So everything goes a lot more smoothly. Um, all right. So it sounds like due diligence was a breeze. Transition was a breeze. Um, you know, I'm, I'm assuming uh, deals closed. Every, any, anything else you want to add to it? That was kind of a, it sounded like a perfect acquisition from start to finish. Yeah. I mean, I would say it wasn't also like uh, easy, right? It still took five months. So on a weekly basis, we were uh, reaching out to buyers a little bit. Uh, sometimes, you know, we felt that we were getting closer to it, but then, but then not really. I think like it, it was, uh, yeah, quite a marathon, but the last part of the marathon went, went very smoothly. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's that's something they really enjoyed and uh to be frank i wasn't really prepared because i, I expected to have more more bumps uh along the way i think um as you say like working with buyers that already bought a business it's it's preferable also because there's a expectation alignments right so a new buyer might might think that you know he buys a business and then you know this business is running by its own. Uh, what I wanted to make sure of is that uh, the buyer had the capabilities to run an e-commerce business, so to run the operations, to run ads, to run uh, merchandising. Because uh, yeah, if it's just uh, the first time uh, that you buy a business, you have never heard about e-commerce. I you know have experience from working in e-commerce incorporate as a founder it's very hard to do that uh, right running a business that is already operating if you if you've never had experience in the field so 
working with experienced buyers definitely uh, was the was a good call uh, in this case. Yeah, I would completely agree, and I think that's you know. Uh, good advice across all types of businesses. Um, so I guess, you know, that would move into maybe another good question, you know, for other entrepreneurs looking to sell their business, what's maybe, you know, the top two, three learnings that you uh, gained through selling your business? All right. So I think at the end of the day, um, it's very hard to make valuations on early stage startups, uh, you know, VCs struggle with that. We struggle with that, especially when it's bootstrapped. It's just not, it's just not very easy. So um, there are ways to do it. And I think uh, looking at the, you know, multiples of previous transactions on acquire.com was actually a really good way to do that uh, for us. So I, yeah, I would say, you know, once you're selling your business, two things, first of all, be profitable, especially if you are in the e-commerce space, because um, it's going to be really hard to convince someone to buy an e-commerce business that is not profitable, just because it's a really a margin optimization game at the end of the day. And then, uh, yeah, just make sure that you have a clear uh, understanding of, of your monthly profit and loss account, right? Because first thing buyers want to see, and that's also how your business is valued, is to see how much profit you make on a monthly basis, how much revenue, uh, how much cost you have. Um, and ideally that that is consistent, right? So uh, if you have a lot of volatility in the in the cash flow, that is a little bit less attractive for, for a buyer, right? Because you don't know what's gonna happen the next month. But if you do have that kind of stable cash flow month by month, then it becomes it becomes more interesting. So definitely getting the financials right and uh, try to get stability month by month uh, over the cash flow. Of course, ideally towards a growing trend <laughs> until um, until you get sold. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's great advice. You know, I I think you know in terms of you really hit the nail on the head in terms of just having you know clean financials because that's how a lot of buyers are going to value your business you know, right off your P now. So regardless if you're selling a SaaS business or an e-commerce business for a lot, for a lot of buyers, it's almost required. Like they can't really understand the health of your business or make an offer until they have, you know, clean financials. And without them, um, it, it does show kind of a lack of preparation in my opinion, in terms of, you know, you, you should get these things prepared before you bring your, your business to market because it'll just make everyone's lives so much easier. Um, so that's great advice. Um, I guess my final question is, um, you know, what are you, what are you working on now? You mentioned you, you know, are probably going to be starting um, multiple businesses. Have you already started one or? Yeah, actually today's the day where, where um, I just announced, uh, you know, my, my new business and we are kicking off fundraising for it. So basically, uh, I've, you know, I've launched my company on, on crowdfunding, um, my mentor, um, from, you know, from Lito travel on Kickstarter has been launching more than 20 products on the market through crowdfunding. And together we, we just, yeah, just sit down and notice that there's, uh, there's a lot more that we can do in the, in the crowdfunding space, uh, and adoption of, of, you know, the crowdfunding methodology to raise money for, for startups around the world. So yeah, what we're doing is, is basically launching a new uh, crowdfunding platform that uh, will allow to have its own secondary market where the um, funds of, of the startups will be tradable. So more or less like in the, in the stock market, but more for early stage startups. That's awesome, man. Congrats. What's uh, what's it called? IPO. IPO. Nice. I like that name. It seems uh, uh yeah, it makes sense. I mean, you're, you're doing secondary trades on private companies and helping them get uh, financing. Exactly. So 
yeah, I think it's going to be pretty exciting. There's a lot of, you know, uh, challenges that we have to overcome from a technology and legal perspective. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, now it's the time to build something like that because the, the technology is already there. There's um, a lot of ways we can build this in a decentralized way, right? So we, um, if you think about, you know, how big exchanges have been built, decentralized exchanges like Binance um, and Crypto.com and so on. Um, why, why are we using those exchanges only for uh, Web3 companies, right? Not for all startups, for example, and, uh, and launching uh, securities in that way. So, so yeah, a lot to come <laughs> in this space. And I'm sure, I'm sure you know, we'll, uh, we'll stay connected on that as well. That's awesome, man. Well, congrats on the launch. And uh... Now I'm rooting for you in a few, maybe, maybe a few years or a decade down the line and, you know, you IPO or sell IPO. Uh, I'd love to have you back on the podcast. Exactly. Sounds good. And Andrew, Andrew, thank you so much for all you do for entrepreneurs around the world, because uh, I've seen your name many times while I was thinking about selling my business. And uh, again, uh, I think you, you're allowing people to do something pretty, pretty awesome, which is, uh, yeah, making relatively small transaction if you talk about you know the acquisition space but uh to me uh, this acquisition has allowed me to start focusing on what i really love which is entrepreneurship and uh not you know maybe just get stuck with um uh, with the day-to-day -day operations of of just uh, one company but uh, being able to move forward and uh you know move to something bigger as well so thank you right on man i appreciate that i'm rooting for you so if if you want to um you know learn more about your story or your new company um where where's the best place to find you um yeah you can just uh, contact me uh, on linkedin i'm pretty active to be honest <laughs> there and we can always have a call uh, anytime cool i'll put that uh in the show notes and uh yeah marco uh Congrats again on the acquisition and the new company. And again, I'm Rune Bree, man. Thank you, Andrew. Cheers. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Startup Acquisition Stories podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, make sure to like and follow on your preferred channel. If you know a friend or colleague that's thinking about selling their startup and don't know where to start, please share it with them. For more information on Acquire.com and how we can help you start conversations with serious buyers with acquisition targets ranging from 50,000 up to 50 million or more, check us out at Acquire.com. We'll see you next time.